Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. afternoon and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today, it's time to jump in to what should be an extremely fun UFC 278 card from Salt Lake City, Utah. Taking place this Sunday Australian time, I will most definitely be sitting down and watching this one with a huge headliner, a rematch featuring two guys who have done nothing but win since their last outing many moons ago. This time, titles on the line as the Nigerian nightmare Kamaru Usman takes on Leon Rocky Edwards, who has fought tooth and nail for a long-ass time to finally get this title shot. A lot at stake in this main event. And of course, a big, quite literally, when you look at their frames, big middleweight co-main event between Paolo Costa and the returning Luke Rockhold who I must say I have been loving his contributions to press conferences, interviews, and all things build up to this UFC 278 card. Huge fan of Luke Rockhold, and very interested to see how that middleweight co-main event goes down. Of course, a massive bantamweight contest as well, which could very well determine our next number one contender as the King of Rio, Jose Aldo, takes on Mirab Devashvili. We've got the Aussie Tyson Pedro on the main card as well. But look, before I jump into the main card, I'm going to start with the prelims, go through, preview, and predict each of the prelim contests. Now, we've got the early prelims and then just the normal preliminary card. What I'm going to do, it's, it's going to be a rapid picks for the early prelims. So I'll just go through give my picks and a little bit as to why. And then from the actual preliminary card portion, I'll be doing the full preview and prediction, going through every single fight on this card. And I must say, pay-per-views have been my strongest point. Last weekend, of course, for the UFC San Diego card, probably my worst head-to-head record this year. Been doing really well, and last time was a bit of a mixed bag, so... Hoping to get back on the horse this weekend. Been thinking long and hard about my picks. And with that being said, well, let's get to the picks. UFC 278 preview and predictions. Alright, UFC 278 going through starting with our early prelims portion which, as I said, we're going to be doing some rapid picks for this one. We start off with Daniel Da Silva, formerly known as Daniel Lacerda, up against Victor Altamirano in what is a pretty intriguing flyweight contest, I must say. Altamirano, a contender series graduate who had a very close split decision win to earn his way into the UFC before losing his debut to Carlos Hernandez, So, Victor, he's entering this fight looking for his first official UFC win, as is his opponent in Daniel Da Silva, 
who was 0-2 inside the UFC after consecutive stoppage losses against Jeff Molina and most recently Francisco Figueiredo, who is also on this card. I gotta say, I don't have a heap of trust in either man, but Victor Altamirano, in my opinion, he's the better prospect of the two. I think he has a much higher ceiling. And Daniel De Silva, yeah, look, an impressive run on his way to the UFC, but he's yet to show really any glimpses that he's gonna kick on on the biggest stage. Daniel De Silva, Victor Altamirano, it's a tricky one. I'm not 100% sure which way this is going to go, but I'm going to take Victor Altamirano by decision. Now, the most favorable method of victory is actually submission. And when I had a look at the odds, I saw that Victor Altamirano to win by decision is listed as a very healthy $6. So I will be jumping on that, although very nervously, given that Daniel De Silva hasn't seen out the first 10 minutes of either of his UFC fights. So look, he's very prone to being finished, but it's that hesitation that maybe Victor Altamirano, whilst I think he's an awesome fighter, I don't have that confidence, that 100% confidence to fully back him in. So I'm gonna go Altamirano by decision. Head to head, I think best bet is Victor Altamirano at $1.55. But in our opening UFC 278 early prelims contest, I'm taking Victor Altamirano over Daniel De Silva by decision. Then we move up just one weight class to the bantamweight division as Arichi Leng takes on Jay Perrin. Now we saw Jay Perrin make his UFC debut in a loss up against Mario Bautista, who's a pretty quality prospect and Jay Perrin, he managed to hang in there on a pretty big stage up against Bautista. Whilst Arichi Lang, he's coming off a massive win, round two technical knockout over Cameron Els. And that was with Arichi Lang moving up to bantamweight after starting off at flyweight. Seems like Arichi Lang a much better suit, or much better fit rather, to the bantamweight division. And look, Jay Perrin, I... Not exactly sure how far he's going to go inside the UFC. He does have a 10-5 and record, although he's never been knocked out, which is a very interesting stat when you consider that the Mongolian murderer, Arichi Leng, while knockouts are his specialty, 7 of his 22 wins by knockout, although he does have 14 decisions as well. So plenty of fights have gone the distance, although if there is to be a stoppage, Arichi Lang, the Mongolian murderer, well, knockout is his go. I must say though, the fact that Perrin is yet to be knocked out does make me hesitant to lean into that method. So in our second fight of the night, I'm going to be taking Arichi Lang over Jay Perrin by decision. Pretty risky back-to-back decision picks to start off this card, but I think Perrin can hang in there. I think Arichi Lang is going to be the better of the two, but... I'm going to back Jay Perrin to at least last the full 15 minutes. So second fight on the card, early prelims rapid pick. I'm going to take Arichi Leng over Jay Perrin by decision. Then we have Amir Albazi up against Francisco Figueiredo. Both very prominent grapplers. You have Amir Albazi who trains at London Shoot Fighters 
with names like Michael Venom Page. On the other side, you have Francisco Figueiredo, the brother of the current UFC flyweight champion, Davison. And look, Francisco, it's been a mixed bag for him. He did have a great knockout victory over Jerome Rivera, but then in a fight that I backed him in, he got dominated, to be fair, up against Malcolm Gordon. Then in his last fight, he had a performance of the night submission over Daniel De Silva, who will be opening this card, which sees Francisco enter this bout with some much needed momentum. However, Amir Elbazi, he seems like the more likely of the two to really make a significant run at 125, with Albazi currently sitting just outside the division's top 10. A win here, and I fully expect Amir to move into the division's top 10, although I did see on Instagram a bit of disrespect from him towards Sam Alve, which is, yeah, just a bit lame, bit of a dick move. Uh, so, to be honest, I think this guy is a bit of a fucking dick. But, hey, sometimes, every now and then, those are the fighters to put your money on. Just like, hey, this guy seems like an asshole. He's probably going to be a decent fighter. Is that the best logic? Probably not. But the fact that he's 14-1, and one, incredibly strong for the division, and a fantastic submission game, well, I think those are justifiable reasons. So I'm going to take Amir Elbazi over Francisco Figueiredo. And this is another one I'm actually going to pick to go the distance. I think if there is a stoppage, it's going to be Amir Albazi via submission. But interestingly, maybe for the first time ever, three decision contests. That's how I see it. The first three fights to go the distance. And already that feels a bit risky. I was trying to rack my brain like, okay, well, which of these fights is most likely to end? With a stoppage, and I do think it is this one between Elbazi and Figueiredo. But ultimately, early prelims flyweight action, I'm going to take Amir Elbazi to get over Francisco Figueiredo by decision. And with that, that should see Elbazi move into the division's top 10. Then, the final fight of the early prelims portion two Dana White contender series veterans. They're not really veterans, actually. Disregard that, lol. Uh, but Angelusa up against AJ Fletcher. With Losa, he actually didn't get the contract. He lost via decision to Jack Della Maddalena, but looked pretty impressive during that fight before taking a late notice fight earlier this year up against Munir Lezez. Then you have AJ Fletcher, who earned his contract with a massive flying knee finish but then lost by decision in his UFC debut up against Matthew Semmelsberger. To be honest, Angelosa seems like the more consistent prospect and like the more likely to present his best version of himself. But AJ Fletcher, from what I've seen, I do like his versatility. He seems to have an answer for every position that he finds himself in. And look, this is another tricky one to pick. And unbelievably, I'm going to go all four fights on the early prelims to go the distance, which I do remember last time I picked a lot of fights to go to decision. It actually ended up being a finish fest, like everyone was finishing fights. So I feel very wary about going for these fights to all go the distance on the early prelims. I feel like I'm going to end up with some egg on my face, not literally, hopefully. 
Uh, but I'm actually going to take AJ Fletcher in the welterweight division over Ange Losa by decision. Considering Ange has never been finished in his career, I think Fletcher, look, as I said, he seems versatile. He seems like he has an answer for everything. And so I'm going to hope that over the course of the 15 minutes, AJ Fletcher can have the better of those little moments that count so much. So I'm going to go for all four fights on the early prelims to go the full 15 minutes, taking AJ Fletcher over Angelosa by decision. And I definitely think betting-wise, I'm going to be sticking to head-to-head and other things like that because, yeah, I'm not going to be specifically betting on decisions because I've been burned before. But all four fights on the early prelims, they are my picks all to go to decision. Victor Altamirano in the opener, Arichi Lang, Amir Albazi, and then AJ Fletcher. Now though, it's time for the proper preview and predictions. So let's launch in to the preliminary card. card portion let's get amongst it with our opener in the women's flyweight division as Miranda Fair the Maverick takes on the Shanimal Shanae Young. For Miranda Maverick this is going to be her sixth UFC appearance at only 25 years old and she'll be entering Utah this weekend full of confidence coming off a victory in March this year picking up a round two submission over Sabina Mazo. As for Shanae Young she had an 0-2 start to her UFC career as a bantamweight before dropping down to flyweight in April and earning a round 2 technical knockout over Gina Mazanay. These two women actually met back in 2019, although it was classed as an exhibition match, so it's not officially on either woman's record. It was part of an Invicta FC women's flyweight tournament, and Miranda Maverick picked up the round one rear naked choke submission. So we actually do have a sample that we can go back and watch as to how these two match up. Yes, it was a little while ago. Both women have grown in experience and skill set since then. But I mean, I watched that and it was a resounding win rear naked choke submission for Miranda Maverick. And you must wonder, is history going to repeat itself on pay-per-view this weekend? Or... Does Shanna Young have the answers? I mean, she's going to get to go into her training camp and understand some of the threats that Miranda Maverick has. She's going to have extra tape to study. She's going to have her own personal experience of sharing the cage with Miranda. And I'm sure her and her team are going to be finding strategies to try and combat the strong submission game of Miranda Fear the Maverick. Speaking of Maverick, let's get into her profile the 25-year-old American training at Team Elevation in Denver, Colorado. Miranda is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt with a UFC record standing at three wins and two losses. So she wants to keep racking up those wins. Three and three, that's not really going to get her anywhere anytime quickly. But four and two, and then she can start building off that in a flyweight division that is really starting to gather steam. So Miranda Maverick, huge chance for her to do so this weekend up against the Shanimal, Shanna Young. Hey, excuse me while I flip this page over. Let's get on to Shanna Young's profile. 
31 years old from America. Shanna trains at Syndicate MMA as of this year as well. So she's actually one win, no losses under the Syndicate MMA banner. And Shanna is a karate black belt. So she possesses a different range of skills to that of Miranda Maverick. And I'm really excited to see whether or not she can implement her karate style in this fight. Shanna enters Utah this weekend with a UFC record standing at one win and two losses. So again, like Maverick, you really want to get the win column boosted up. You don't want to add another loss. I mean, one and three would be pretty grim for Shanna Young. So big fight for her. Obviously in this one, it is going to be an uphill battle. Miranda Maverick, sizable favorite in this one. Maverick having the slight reach and definitely the advantage in the grappling. But I do believe the striking is where Shanna Young could find her path to victory. Neither of these women are ranked, although with a win and a good win, like a dominant win or a finish, well then Miranda Maverick could definitely enter the conversation. So very big juncture in her career. And stylistically, it's going to be that karate style, some strikes as well, and evasive footwork from Shanna Young up against the grappling of Miranda Maverick. Miranda knows, she already knows that she can submit Shanna Young. She's done it before, and I assume she's going to be aiming to do it again. Checking out the professional records, Miranda Maverick enters Utah this weekend with a pro record standing at 10 wins and 4 losses. Key statistic for Maverick, 6 of her 10 wins have come by way of submission, 4 of those being in the first round. Overall, Miranda's wins include 1 technical knockout, 6 submissions, and 3 decisions. And those 6 submissions don't actually include the submission that she holds over Shanna Young. Key statistic in terms of losses for Maverick, all 4 of her losses have come by way of decision, Maverick is yet to be finished across 14 pro bouts. As for Shanna Young, she enters this one a little bit less impressive record, only by two victories, but Shanna enters with a record of 8-4. and four. And the key stat for Young, she has five finishes from her eight wins. So, look, she predominantly likes to chase the finish. As I mentioned, Maverick yet to be finished in her career. Shanna Young's wins including two knockouts, three submissions, and three decision victories. As for her losses, Shanna Young has one knockout loss, one submission loss, and she's lost twice by way of decision. In terms of this fight, well, both ladies are going to be aiming to take their next step toward flyweight divisional relevancy, and whilst Maverick is a sizable favourite, I think maybe with the pressure off, that could release Shanna Young to perform at her absolute best. So I think it could be a bit of a danger bet. I mean, it's like a dollar fifteen to go for Miranda Maverick. So I honestly, I don't like that. I don't think that's value at all. Although I can understand why. And I'm not going to be deviating from my choice here. I'm not going to be going for the juicy underdog. I do believe that Miranda Maverick is the favorite for a reason. And I'm going to back her to kick on here. So in this opener of the normal preliminary card coming off the early prelims, I'm going to take Miranda Fear the Maverick over Shanna Young. And you know what? 
I've gone four decisions already. Let's throw a stoppage in there. Let's get amongst some stoppages. I'm going to take Miranda Maverick by submission. She's done it before. Can she do it again? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to lean into it. I think the only way to find value in these odds is to try and pick the exact method because head-to-head, shite in terms of value. Absolute shite town. So I'm going to be leaning into a certain method, that being submission, and I believe that's the intent Miranda Maverick is going to enter this fight with. Taking Miranda Maverick over Shanna Young by submission. Now let's get amongst our next contest. Up next we have a featherweight banger that I'm particularly keen to sit down and watch. We've got two former members of Dana White's Contender Series, two graduates, taking center stage as Sean the Sniper Woodson meets Louis Saldana. Two of the largest and rangiest 145ers that the UFC has to offer in what is a tantalizing stylistic matchup. Woodson in particular, I'm a huge fan of. He's been on the Not Just a Sports Report one to watch list for a little while now as he rides a two fight win streak into this fight. The first of those two wins was a split decision up against Yusuf Zalal, and then Woodson had a hugely impressive outing last time out, picking up the round one technical knockout over Colin Anglin. As for Luis Saldana, he entered the UFC as a renowned fight finisher, but since entering UFC, all three of his fights have gone the distance, with the most recent result being a unanimous decision win over Bruno Souza, 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 uh, that was Souza, fucking hell, Bruno Souza, that was back at UFC Columbus in March, and look, both guys are seemingly on an upward trajectory, so we have to wonder, who marches on from this one? We'll start with the profiles, starting with Sean Woodson, known as the St. Louis Sniper. The 30-year-old American trains at Glory MMA and Fitness, under James Krause, who is quickly becoming one of the great emerging coaches in the entire world. Woodson is a boxer, although he has made a great effort to expand his skill set, and Sean enters this weekend with a UFC record standing at three wins and one loss. As for his opponent, Louis Saldana, the 31-year-old American trains at Fight Ready, and Saldana is also a boxer. So hopefully for us fans, we get to see a great striking exchange throughout this whole contest. And Saldana enters this one with a UFC record of two and one. Sounds like a baby's crying. I don't know if you can hear that. I promise that's outside the window and not, not in my household. Promise. Fucking hell. Anyway, advantages. Significant height and reach in favor of Sean Woodson, which is pretty much the case every time he steps foot in the octagon given that he's the tallest and rangiest featherweight the UFC has to offer. Both guys are pretty evenly matched across the board, which is what makes this a great stylistic matchup. And I must say, 145 is stacked. You have some undefeated prospects in the division, then you have some absolutely unreal fighters like your Ortegas, your Rodriguez's, your Ketars, or Caters, rather, Josh Emmett's. 
And even outside of the top 15, Featherweight is a division that I have been loving as of late, with both of these guys aiming to get in the mix as far as eventually cracking the top 15. The finish factor in this one, look, I think it's high. Both guys very capable of the finish, but at the same time, both these fellas are very durable as well. So I think as hard as they can land a shot, they can also take big shots. I think finish factor's high, but also with durability, I will not be surprised if this one goes the distance. Stylistically, I expect a lot of striking. I don't think anyone's going to go crazy out of the bat chasing the finish, but I do think there will be knockout intent, more so in the fashion of controlled chaos rather than a huge one and done. Onto the pro records, starting with Luis Saldana, his record standing at 16 wins and 7 losses. Key statistic for Saldana, 14 stoppages from 16 pro wins. So as I mentioned, Saldana entered the UFC as this real big prospect, known for wrapping up the fight early, 14 stoppages from his 16 wins, including 7 first round stoppages. Those wins include 9 knockouts, 5 submissions, and 2 decision wins. Now, looking at the losses for Saldana, 4 of his 7 losses have come by way of decision. He's been knocked out once, twice submitted, but 4 of 7 losses by decision for Saldana. So, as I mentioned, very durable, as well as being someone who can definitely finish the fight inside the distance. As for his opponent, on the Not Just a Sports Report one to watch list, Sean the Sniper Woodson enters this one with a professional record standing at 9 wins and 1 loss. The only loss of his career came up against Julian Arosa, who actually took the, the matchup on very short notice. So a highly impressive win for Arosa, that was a round 3 submission loss for Woodson. As for the victories in Woodson's career, Five of nine wins by way of decision. Overall, three knockouts, one submission, and five decisions. So, Woodson very well versed in edging out a decision contest. But I do think he's going to... I don't know. I think under James Krause, like, they're going to be patient. He's not going to be coming out looking for the big finish. But I think Sean Woodson... I don't know. I think he's going to add a stoppage. I've gone plenty of decisions already in this preview on predictions. And look, I have a vested interest in Woodson. I've been ubbing and ahhing, like this one on paper seems like it's gonna go to decision, but I'm gonna back Woodson in here. He's on the one to watch list and I'm gonna go all in. So I'm taking Sean Woodson and I'm taking Woodson by knockout, which Saldana only one loss in his entire career by way of knockout. But I like Woodson, I think I don't think it's going to be a first round, but I think over time, Woodson can kind of just slowly break down his opponent, and then potentially like a body shot or a high knee could just absolutely rock Saldana. And I think with James Krause in his corner, Woodson is going to be perfectly placed to capitalize on any vulnerability. So I'm going to take Sean Woodson, huge fan of his, and I'm also going to be featuring him over on the Not Just a Sports Report Instagram. If you want to head over to Insta and check it out, I'll be listing 
a couple of highlight fighters heading into this weekend who I'm a huge fan of. Last time, I did highlight fighters as well. I believe I listed four. All four won, and all four won by stoppage. So, look, I have a pretty perfect and flawless record for highlight fighters. As far as my English speaking, not such a flawless record. I'm probably like one nine and one no contest or some shit on that front. But my highlight fighters, well, that is full on Spidey Senses tingling mode. Seems like I've got a good one in the highlight fighters. So I'm going to be doing it again, hoping to keep that perfect record. And you can check out my highlight fighters over on our Instagram at not just a sports report. But for this featherweight clash, that is my prediction. One of my very few on this card, at least in terms of prospects and not already established stars, but one of the few that I'm going to be branding with the highlight fighters tag. So I'm going all in. I believe Sean Woodson definitely one to watch. Taking Sean Woodson over Louis Saldana by knockout. UFC 278 card, we are going to be treated to a lightweight scrap between two veterans of the game as Brazil's Leonardo Santos takes on Jared Gordon. For Leonardo Santos, his 13 fight unbeaten streak was brought to an end recently and since then he has suffered back-to-back losses. The first of those coming in March last year, a round three knockout up against Grant Dawson before dropping a second consecutive fight in December, a round two submission loss up against the carpenter, Clay Guida. Santos, he has kind of the style where he's really strong early, but definitely has the tendency to fade as the fight progresses, at least in recent years, given that he's a lot older now. and He's taken a lot of damage in terms of how many fights he's had over the years. Opposing him is going to be Jared Gordon, whose three-fight run was ended back in April this year, a round three submission loss up against Grant Dawson. For both fighters, this is a must-win affair. Funnily enough, they pretty much have identical records. They find themselves in a similar position in terms of the lightweight division, and there's only room for one of these guys to move forward. Checking out the profiles, we'll start with Jared Flash Gordon, the 33-year-old American training at Killcliffe FC, formerly known as Sanford MMA. Changed their name after an energy drink. Tell you what, if there's any energy drinks, CBD companies who want to sponsor me, this could be the not just a Killcliffe report. I don't know, fucking send some cash my way. Anyway, Jared Gordon, his style, he's got a pretty varied style really quality boxer, as well as being a wrestler, and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt under John Danaher. Jared Gordon entering this fight with a UFC record standing at six wins and four losses. Onto the profile of his opponent, Leonardo Santos, who is a 42-year-old Brazilian who trains at Nova Uniao. I 100% pronounced that wrong. I have several... 
Brazilians I could have asked how to say that, and instead I just rolled with whatever the fuck I just said. So that's not how to say his gym. Um, you can go to Wikipedia, Sherdog, plenty of places you can find the gym. Pronounce it for yourself. Sorry, I'll try to be better next time. Now, Santos, he is a highly credentialed Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, fourth degree as well. So there's the belt discrepancy. He, you'd have to assume, judging that he's a black belt, Gordon a brown belt, you'd have to say Santos the better grappler. With Leonardo entering this weekend with a UFC record, standing at seven wins, two losses, as well as having one draw. In terms of advantages, there is a massive height and reach advantage for the older Santos, as well as grappling being in his favor, as I just mentioned. Striking, I'll give that to Gordon, although doesn't have a ton of power, isn't overly known for being like this awesome striker, but I will give him the edge in that department. Finish factor in this lightweight contest, I'm gonna say medium. I can see there being a finish, if Santos is to get the win, I think most likely it's going to be a submission victory. Whilst for Jared Gordon, I think if he picks up a finish, that'll be maybe round three. Leonardo Santos starts to run out of steam, and then Gordon finds a way to get the finish. Bounce back factor is going to be high for both of these guys, coming off losses, and realistically, they can't afford another one. For Santos, how much gas does he have left in the tank at 42 years old? Well, we're going to have to wait and see this weekend because maybe he has plenty left. Maybe this is the end of the road. An interesting thing to look out for this weekend. And stylistically, it's going to be a battle for grappling ascendancy. So if Santos is on point, I do expect him to be able to edge out his rival. Santos enters this weekend with a pro record, standing at 18 wins, 5 losses, and 1 draw, with the key statistic being that 50% of Leonardo's wins have come by way of submission. Overall, on his resume, Leonardo sports 3 knockouts, 9 submissions, 5 decisions, and a win by disqualification as well. I didn't quite check how that went down, maybe it was like WWE style, where someone came in with a chair or something. I'm not sure how that DQ happened, but it's there. It's on his record. As for the five losses on Leonardo's record, two knockouts, one submission loss, and two decisions. Then you look at Jared Gordon's pro record. As I mentioned, they've pretty much got identical records. Santos's is 18-5-1. Jared Gordon enters this one with a record of 18-5. So the only thing separating them in terms of their records is the one draw. For Gordon, most of his wins have been by edging out a 15-minute decision, 10 of 18 victories for Jared by decision, with overall 6 knockouts, 2 submissions, and 10 decision victories on his resume. In terms of losses for Gordon, 4 of his 5 losses have come by way of knockout, as well as 1 submission loss in his last outing. So I guess the key statistic in terms of losses for Jared Gordon is that all five of his losses have been ended inside the distance. If you're going to go for Leonardo Santos, definitely consider that statistic. In my opinion though, this is a head scratcher. I really don't know which way I'm leaning toward. 
but I have to make a prediction. So I'm going with Jared Gordon by decision. He's the younger fighter. I've been burnt in recent times by Leonardo Santos as well. So look, I think this one could be very close. This is definitely one where I can see myself getting burnt, so I will not be putting the house on it. But in the end, gotta make a prediction for this 155 fight. I'm going Jared Gordon, taking Flash Gordon over Santos by decision. So there we go, another decision. I'm feeling very wary about the amount of fights I've picked to go the distance. Makes me a little bit nervous, but we'll have to wait and see how everything plays out. Taking Jared Gordon by decision as we now move on to our featured prelim. the UFC 278 featured prelim and why this bout was demoted from the main card to featured prelim is beyond me especially given the fight they chose to replace this with on the main card but nonetheless this one's been bumped down in the proceedings that doesn't make it any less exciting featured prelim we have a heavyweight host fest between the 11th ranked Polishman Marcin Tybura up against the undefeated phenom, the 13th ranked Moldovan Alexander Romanov. Both these guys floating just outside the top 10, with Chris Dorcas and Jarzinho Rosenstrike in 10th and 9th respectively, which is interesting given that they're going to fight each other toward the end of the year. But with Dorcas in that 10th spot, coming off a couple of losses, I believe the winner of this should well and truly enter the heavyweight division's top 10. Firstly, you have Marcin Taibura, who's been a top 15 heavyweight over the last few years, and he's looking to take the O off of Romanov's record. Taibura had his five-fight win streak ended last October in a unanimous decision loss up against Alexander Volkov, but look, there is no doubt that Taibura is easily the sternest test of Alexander Romanov's career. Speaking of Romanov, he is undefeated across 16 fights with 11 first round finishes and four of his five UFC wins containing stoppage victories. His last two most recent outings, a Jared Vandera technical knockout win, and then he submitted Chase Sherman. What's impressed me is that Romanov is visibly improving his conditioning and he's in the best shape of his career. He's trimmed down significantly and it seems like Romanov is finally ready to make that big heavyweight run. Will Alexander pass the toughest test of his career or is Marcin Taibura once again going to re-enter the heavyweight top 10? Looking at advantages, Taibura will have the height and reach advantage, as well as being the more experienced fighter who's faced a much higher level of competition. However, I do believe that Alexander Romanov has superiority in the grappling, although Taibura has 82% takedown defense. So Taibura, no slouch when it comes to that area, and stylistically, I'm very excited for this one. I don't know why they moved this one down the card. I mean, they put a women's bantamweight fight that has pretty much no bearing on the division 
and they've put this on the prelims? This is like a fight to enter the heavyweight division's top 10. There are huge implications for the rankings here, and I just don't understand why this one's been bumped down. As far as the finish factor, I mean, in any heavyweight fight, you've got to say the finish factor is high, although decision definitely not out of the question. Marcin Taibura especially has shown that he can go the distance, and for Romanov, look, he's picked up finishes in pretty much every contest he's partaken in, but he hasn't faced someone yet the caliber of Marcin Taibura. Stylistically, I'm expecting Romanov to look to take the fight to the mat at every opportunity he gets, whilst Taibura, I believe he's going to be looking to use his experience to keep this one standing and show his superiority on the feet. I do think at some stage though, Romanov is going to find a way to get Taibura to the mat, but we'll have to see what happens then because Taibura has shown that he is very well versed in those situations once he does find himself on the mat. Checking out professional records, Alexander Romanov enters this one with an unblemished record of 16 wins and zero losses. And the key stat for the Moldovan is that he holds stoppages in 15 of his 16 career wins. 11 of those 15 finishes coming in the first round as well, which is why Romanov now finds himself knocking on the door of the heavyweight top 10. The only decision victory in Romanov's career was a technical decision, and that was because of a groin strike that saw Romanov unable to continue. So outside of that, 15 stoppages in 16 wins, 11 of those in the first round. Romanov, he is one of my highlight fighters this weekend. The 31-year-old Moldovan is nicknamed King Kong, and checking his winning resume, he has six knockouts, nine submissions, as well as that one technical decision. Romanov trains at Lion Club, and he is a freestyle wrestler with a UFC record standing at a perfect five wins and no losses. On to his opponent in Marcin Tybura, the 36-year-old from Poland representing Ancos MMA. Tybura is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt with a UFC record standing at nine wins and six losses. Checking out Tybura's pro record, that stands at 22 wins and seven losses, with the key stat for the Polishman being that he holds 15 finishes from his 22 victories, with 10 of those finishes coming in the first round. So, needless to say, the first five minutes of this contest is going to have everyone on the edge of their seats, with Tybura's winning resume containing 9 knockouts, 6 submissions, and 7 decisions. As far as losses for Marcin, 4 of 7 losses by knockout, 3 decision losses as well, which leads me to my key statistic, Marcin Tybura has never been submitted across 29 pro fights. Then you go back to Alexander Romanov, who has 9 of 16 wins by submission. That especially is what makes this a very fun stylistic matchup. In my opinion, I don't understand the positioning of this one. I think it is more than deserving of the main card spotlight. But nonetheless, featured prelim, still going to be an absolute cracker of a heavyweight contest. And I'm going to back Alexander Romanov. 
Biggest test of his career, no doubt. But I'm going to take Romanov by knockout. I think maybe technical knockout, some kind of ground and pound situation, most likely, rather than a huge one and done kind of knockout. But I think Taibura, he's skilled enough to not get submitted, at least in my opinion. Although that's what makes this very intriguing, because if anyone's going to make him tap, I believe Romanov could be that guy. Whilst for Romanov, if anyone is going to push him to his absolute limit at this stage in his career, well, that's going to be Marcin Taibura. So very excited for this one, but in the featured prelim, I'm going to be taking the undefeated Alexander Romanov by knockout. That would stretch his undefeated streak to 17 straight victories, and all of a sudden, well, we'll have another major contender starting to work their way through the heavyweight ranks. That was my entire prelims preview and predictions though, so now there's only one thing left to do, that is to get amongst the UFC 278 main card. UFC 278 main card, of course headlined by a massive welterweight showdown, Kamaru the Nigerian Nightmare, Usman, defending his belt against Leon Rocky Edwards. Massive middleweight co-main event as well, a few contests to really get excited about, but let's start with the opener, which I am very excited about, in the light heavyweight division as Western Sydney's Tyson Pedro meets Harry Hunsucker. Now, I actually read an article, I believe it was Fox Sports Australia, about Tyson Pedro, his relationship with his father, who seems like a very hard taskmaster. A little bit of a story about how accidentally Pedro's father stabbed him in the chest. And a few other stories where... Look, on the surface, it's like, bloody hell. Like, I, my dad's never stabbed me in the chest. But funnily enough, like, it seems like Pedro's father plays such a huge role. In fact, himself, Pedro's father, let me just double check this. I believe his name is John Pedro. Uh, he was instrumental in the Australian mixed martial arts scene. So, look, Tyson, he comes from a high ilk in terms of his family just double-checking, yes, so John Pedro. And look, they talked about different stories. The stabbing was definitely the one that caught my eye. But then they also talked about how John Pedro was the one to help Tyson out of a real funk where he may never have returned to the octagon. So look, after reading that, I really got hyped. I was already super keen to see Pedro fight this weekend. And now, getting a bit of extra backstory about him and his father. I mean, it's a great read. If you haven't checked it out, just Google John Pedro and Tyson Pedro as well. Uh, and that should come up. I would highly recommend giving it a read. Because very interesting insight into the Australian fighter this weekend. Now, Tyson is a former Top 15 star who returned to action in April this year taking part in his first fight since December 2018. Pedro's return to the UFC was a successful one. He got the round one knockout over Ike Villanueva, and we saw in that one, like Villanueva, he just couldn't take the leg kicks. It only took a couple, and then he was in serious trouble, 
Tyson managing to wrap it up within the first round. Tyson, he returns to action here and he is well and truly back to make a significant run at 205 pounds. Opposing him this weekend is going to be Harry Hunsucker, who, look, it's not been the best run for him. Three round one knockout losses under the UFC banner, two of those officially being on his UFC record, whilst one was a Dana White contender series loss to Jared Vandera. He's also been knocked out by Tyson Pedro's brother-in-law, Tai Tuavasa, who got it done in under a minute, and Hunsucker was knocked out with a massive head kick up against the cage by Brisbane's Justin Tafa. For Hunsucker, he now moves down to light heavyweight in what is his first ever pro fight at 205. And one of his strengths as a heavyweight was his speed. His power as well, but he had a lot of speed for a heavyweight. And I'm wondering whether this weight cut is going to increase his power and speed or whether it's going to take away from it. What we do know though is that this time around, Hunsucker is planning to not be outmuscled and not be outmatched up against yet another Australian fighter. Who picks up the win? Well, let's dive a little deeper and find out. We'll start with the profile of Tyson Pedro, nicknamed Kangaroo Paws, and the 30-year-old is an Australian Samoan representing Lions High Performance Center. Pedro is a jiu-jitsu black belt not just a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, also a Japanese jiu-jitsu black belt, and he has a varied range of skills in the grappling department. Pedro enters this fight with a UFC record of four wins and three losses. On to Harry Hunsucker, nicknamed the Hurricane, and the 33-year-old American trains at elite martial arts and fitness, and he is also a jiu-jitsu practitioner. So whilst this one should have some fireworks on the feet, both guys very well versed when it comes to the grappling exchanges, with Hunsucker entering this fight with a UFC record standing at zero wins, two losses. In terms of advantages, I'm wondering whether Hunsucker and this weight cut, whether the power is going to still be there, because if it is, that is a massive advantage, bringing some heavyweight power down to 205. But if the weight cut has the opposite effect, then Hunsucker could definitely find himself in some trouble, given that Tyson Pedro, in my opinion, is the superior grappler out of these two men, and Tyson also boasts a height and reach advantage. In my opinion, level of competition goes to Tyson Pedro as well. He only had a less than a handful of fights before he was thrown into the UFC up against the best the world has to offer, and I think that strong level of competition is going to hold Tyson Pedro in good stead. Tyson no doubt has ambitions of once again cracking the division's top 15, and whilst a win over Hunsucker I don't think is going to be enough to do it, it is definitely a step in the right direction, with both men not in overly impressive form, in their last five, both of these men are two wins and three losses, and they badly need to just right the ship, especially in Hunsucker's case. His form as of late has been nothing to write home about, respectfully. But for Pedro, we can see the promise. We can see the hype and the excitement, 
And now it seems like after a real bad run of injuries, Tyson Pedro is finally ready to make his run. Finish factor in this one, it's at its peak. I will fucking eat my hat. I'm not even wearing a hat, but I'll eat one. I'll eat your hat. I don't give a shit. If this one goes the distance, I'll eat your hat. If you see me out on the street, give me a hat, I'll fucking eat it. First five minutes, I think this could be finished in. Both of these guys barely have ever. Hunsuck has never got out of the first round, win or lose. And Tyson Pedro, he's only been out of the first round when he has lost. So explosive contest in the works, no doubt. Finish factor at an absolute premium in this one. Checking out the pro records now. And look, this is where the explosive stuff most definitely comes into play. We'll start with Tyson Pedro, who has a pro record standing at 8 wins and 3 losses. The key statistic for Pedro, all 8 of his wins have been finished inside the distance. All 8 wins, first round finishes. That is most definitely a key stat. With Pedro's 3 losses being split evenly, he's lost once by knockout, once by submission, and once by decision. As for Harry Honsucker, his professional record a little less glistening. All of his 12 fights have been at heavyweight. 7 and 5 is his record heading into this one. Key stat for Hunsucker. All 7 of his wins have been finished inside the distance. All 7 of those wins, first round finishes. Mix of knockouts and submissions as well. This is why this is the main card opener. If you want a fight that is going to set the tone, well, this seems to be the perfect one and it may only take a couple of minutes, so very exciting. And for Hunsucker, another key statistic, all five of his losses have been by knockout, all five of those knockout losses in the first round. So Hunsucker has never been out of the first round. Stylistically, you just know both of these guys are going to be displaying finish intent from the word go. And I think for Pedro, he's shown that leg kicks can be very effective, that's something that Hunsucker has struggled with. I mean, look at the Taito Avasa fight. It didn't take too many leg kicks for Hunsucker to start wobbling and for Tuavasa to pick up the finish. Then, of course, you have Pedro's superior grappling, which is an area that I fully expect him to utilize. That's if this fight goes beyond the two-minute mark. In my opinion, this fight is not going to go out of round one. I'm backing the Aussie in this one. I'm going to take Tyson Pedro by knockout over Harry Hunsucker. And as part of the Not Just a Sports Report parlay, I'm just going to do a bet in the multi of Tyson Pedro to get the round one finish. Whether that be submission, knockout, I think Pedro gets it done in round one. And my official prediction for this UFC 278 main card opener, I'm taking Tyson Pedro by knockout. bantamweight action that's been shifted to the main card for no apparent reason and I mean that respectfully but we've got Lucy Pudilova returning for her second stint in the UFC after being cut on a four fight losing slide she ended up racking up about six fights in only a couple of years so her level of activity 
has actually been promising. But yeah, she's coming off her last UFC outings, four straight losses, and welcoming Lucy back to the octagon is the Chinese prospect Wu Yanan. Now, we've seen a heavyweight showdown with potentially top 10 implications shifted to the preliminary card in favor of this one, which again, respectfully, it's just a head scratcher. Lucy has an octagon record of two wins, five losses, including four straight losses last time we saw her, up against Wu Yanan, who has a UFC record of one win and four losses. So, look, a lot of people, myself included, don't understand the logic behind this. But hey, I'm, I'm not here to attack these ladies. I'm pretty sure they get more money, good payday, main card exposure. Good on them. This is, I'm not being a hater. I actually am happy for them. Good on them. Just doesn't make much sense. And look, doing my tape and my research, I cannot get a read on this one, to be honest. I'm just back and forth. I'm like, no matter which way I go, I don't think I'm going to be confident in this one, given that neither has shown a level of consistency inside of the UFC that I can really back with any level of confidence. That is why I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to go a rapid pick. Much like the matchmakers thought, fuck it, let's just put it on the main card. I'm thinking very similar. I'm just going to do a rapid pick, shot in the dark, and hope for the best. So my prediction, I'm going to take Wu Yanan by decision. No real logic behind that. So if you're listening to this podcast and placing any money based on my picks, full disclosure, this full fuck it mode has been activated here. Respectfully, let's hope this is an awesome fight. Let's hope both of them get their money. Great payday. And yeah, hopefully this is the start of a really bright future for one of these ladies. Or, optimistically, hopefully both. But that's about all I have to offer on this one. As I said, I don't understand, really, the logic behind the placement of this fight. Again, respectfully. Good luck to both ladies. I'm taking Wu Yanan, hoping for an awesome fight. And, yeah, Wu Yanan by decision. And if you've listened to Not Just a Sports Report before, you would know that usually every Sunday Australian time, I sit down, record the UFC Thoughts and Comments podcast, which essentially is just live reactions to all of the fights, my thoughts, and you guessed it, my comments. Uh, Well, I'm going to be away this weekend. So as it stands, no Thoughts and Comments podcast. I may try and work some form of content, whether that be over on the Instagram, on our story, or an actual post. Whether I do come back and do some kind of quick wrap once I return home. But as it stands, no thoughts and comments this weekend. If you want to hear my thoughts on the action for UFC 278, you should be able to find that this weekend over on our Instagram at NotJustASportsReport. But with that being said, three fights to go, and these are our three marquee fights, all of them having major bearings on their divisions and the title picture going forward. So let's not waste any time. UFC 278, these are the big fights. Let's get amongst it. On to the first of our three major fights on this card. We have a bantamweight showdown with serious title implications. 
as the King of Rio, the third-ranked Jose Aldo, a walk-up Hall of Famer when all is said and done. Well, Aldo, he faces a scenario, in my opinion, where if he wins here, he is next in line for a title shot as he takes on the sixth-ranked Georgian with ties to the champion, that being Mirab Davashvili. For Jose Aldo, his evolution into a bantamweight contender has been a hell of a lot of fun to watch as he's reinvented himself in the 135-pound weight class. Three straight decision wins have brought Jose back to the forefront of title contention with victories over Marlon Marias, Pedro Munoz and Rob Font leading him to this massive showdown. His opponent, Mirab Davalshvili, rides a seven-fight win streak into this contest, with his most recent victory coming against Marlon Marias in a fight where Mirab had to overcome some adversity early, and then he managed to pick up the round two technical knockout over Marias. And look, it's no secret, for Mirab, his biggest weapon are his takedowns, with Mirab averaging over 7 takedowns per 15 minutes. So per 3 rounds, 7 takedowns. Mirab, you'd have to say, if he's not the best, well he is certainly in the conversation for the greatest takedown artist inside the UFC. Opposing him though, well that is Jose Aldo, who has a massive sample size to have a look at, and he has 91% takedown defense. That makes this a stylistic matchup that is quite honestly mouthwatering. I'll start on the profile of profile? English going down skis, my bad. Jose Aldo's profile, 35 years old from Brazil, training at Nova Uniao. Had that one earlier, fucking a little bit better there. Not much better though, my bad. Now, Aldo is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as being, as well as being, what did I tell you, English seriously deteriorating, as well as being one of the all-time great strikers we have ever seen. Aldo enters this fight with a UFC record standing at 13-6, and and let me just rattle off only a couple of the accomplishments that Aldo has managed. He is a former two-time UFC featherweight champion, in the conversation for greatest featherweight of all time, he is a former WEC featherweight champion, the youngest ever as well, a four-time UFC fight of the night winner, two-time performance of the night winner, and Aldo did not lose between 2006 and all the way up to the end of 2015 in that famed, iconic Conor McGregor fight. That was a streak of 18 consecutive wins for Aldo, and that's just scratching the surface of some of the amazing accomplishments this man has racked up. His opponent, Mirab Davalshvili, nicknamed The Machine, is a 31-year-old Georgian training at Seralongo Fight Team. Mirab is a Sambo fighter with a UFC record of 7-2, and two, and he is a former Ring of Combat Bantamweight champion, as well as a one-time Performance of the Night winner, and a one-time fight of the night winner. Look, as far as the advantages in this one, if this takes place on the feet, I've got to favor Aldo. But if the action largely takes place on the mat, well, all of a sudden, the pendulum swings in favor of Mirab. 
In terms of height and reach, Aldo has the advantage there. Just flipping over my page, don't mind me. And when you look at the rankings, Aldo in third spot, clearly in my opinion, he gets the next title shot off a win. And look, there are a hell of a lot of bantamweight contests that are going to decide the landscape of the division going forward. The first of those being last weekend's main event, we saw Marlon Cheeto Vera truly announce himself as a contender. We've obviously got this Aldo Marab fight, which as I said, I think Aldo, if he wins, he is the next number one contender. We've got Corey Sandhagen and Song Yadong coming up, Sugar Sean and Pyoida Yan, and of course, the most important fight out of all these 135 scraps, that being the bantamweight championship fight between the reigning and defending champion Funkmaster Aljamain Sterling and the former champion, the returning, now not on performance enhancing drugs, thankfully, TJ Dillashaw. Taking a look at the pro records, Jose Aldo enters this one with a record standing at 31 wins and 7 losses, with 17 of his 31 wins coming by way of knockout, 11 of those first round. So, look, it is no secret, Jose Aldo, he knows how to shut his opponent's lights out, with his resume containing 17 knockouts, 1 submission, and 13 decision victories. Having a look at Aldo's losses, and 4 of his 7 career losses have come by way of knockout, with 4 knockouts, 1 submission, and 2 decisions on the losing side of his resume. As for Marab Davoshvili, his pro record stands at 14-4, and, and the key statistic going into this one is that Marab has never been knocked out across 18 professional fights. So when you compare that to 17 of 31 wins by knockout, 11 first round for Aldo, and then you look at Marab, who's never been knocked out, well, that's just another layer to what is a beautiful matchmaking affair. In terms of losses, Murab has been submitted once and lost three times by decision. Speaking of decision, well, that is largely how Murab wins his fights. 10 of 14 wins coming by decision for Murab, with three knockouts and one submission as well. Stylistically, I think it's pretty clear. If this one stays on the feet, I've got to give it to Aldo. We saw Murab in his last fight. He got rocked a couple of times on the feet by Mariahs, and he managed to turn that around, but he faces an even tougher prospect this time around in the form of Jose Aldo. I do think though that Marab, look, if he can get his opponent to the ground, he is very strong. He has shown that he has the takedown game to rival anyone inside the UFC, and I think if he can get it down there, he can grind out a massive win. In fact, the biggest win of his career. In my opinion, there is everything to fight for in this one. I'm going Marab. I'm going Marab Devalshvili. Really unsure about this one because Jose Aldo, I mean, it's never wise to bet against Jose Aldo, but I think Devalshvili, he has the keys, he has the answers to potentially shut down the King of Rio. So in this massive bantamweight showdown, I'm going to take Marab Devolshvili over Jose Aldo, and I'm taking this one to go the distance. I believe we're going to see this one extend throughout the full 15 minutes, and in the end, 
I'm going to take Mirab Dalshvili by decision. That one a bit shaky. Not too sure. I mean, even the odds makers aren't too sure if you look at the betting market and just how closely these two are matched up. Taking Mirab by decision though, as we now move in to our two main events of the evening. First of our two main events, well, this is a middleweight contest that I have been waiting quite some time for. Ever since it was first announced, I have really had my curiosity piqued by this one, as our co-main event sees former title challenger and sixth ranked middleweight Paolo Costa take on the former champion, returning for the first time in three years, Luke Rockhold. For Paolo Costa, he had a glistening start to his career, going 13-0, an unbeaten prospect that saw him work his way all the way to a huge middleweight title fight. But since that 13-0 start, Costa is coming off back-to-back losses to Israel Adesanya, where he was comprehensively dominated in the title fight, and then a decision loss in a main event up against Marvin Vittori, in a situation where Paolo Costa, he missed weight by a lot. And look, this guy has major potential, but I'm gonna say my, honestly, I think this dude is dumb as dog shit. He's, look, not the brightest fella. That's basically the best way I could put it. Luckily though, for Paolo Costa, this is not UFC 278, the academic awards. This is a cage fight. And I think in that regard, well, there's a very bright future ahead if this guy can just get his head screwed on right, which honestly, that seems like the toughest part. Then you have Luke Rockhold fighting for the first time in three years. And in the lead up to this one, Rockhold has been spitting nothing but truth bombs, not afraid to call out Dana White on fighter pay, which honestly, I'm so glad to see it's him flying that flag. You've obviously got someone like Nganu flying that flag. That is the biggest dog shit area of the UFC, in my opinion. No matter what Dana White says, I don't think they pay these guys fairly, considering what they have to put their bodies through, and also how much money they're actually making the company. There is so much intrigue surrounding this contest. The finish factor is high, the bounce back factor is high, and of course, you have Costa looking to break back into the division's top five, up against the now unranked Luke Rockhold, who's looking to not just crack back in to the top 15, but to ultimately announce himself once again as a middleweight title contender. Having a squiz at the profiles, starting with Luke Rockhold, and the 37-year-old American trains at the American Kickboxing Academy, as well as spending some time at RVCA. Rockhold is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and he enters this fight with a UFC record that stands at 6-4, and four. but of course, let's not forget that in all 10 of those fights, Rockhold has been fighting the best of the best. Luke is a former UFC middleweight champion, he is a former and the last ever Strikeforce middleweight champion, as well as being a three-time Performance of the Night winner and a one-time Fight of the Night winner. His opponent, Paolo Costa, 
nicknamed the Eraser, well that is at least the English translation. He is a 31-year-old Brazilian training at Fight Ready with a UFC record that stands at 5-2. Of course, a 5-0 start, now coming off his first losing streak ever, back-to-back losses leading into this one. Costa is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, a former jungle fight middleweight champion, two-time performance of the night winner, as well as being a fight of the night winner for one of the most epic middleweight clashes we have seen, Costa versus Yoel Romero, Battle of the Secret Juice, or in Romero's case, not so secret juice, pretty blatant juicing. Stylistically, the biggest test here is going to be Luke Rockhold's chin. No doubt about that. That has been his kryptonite. And then you look at Paolo Costa, and that's his biggest strength. His ability to just knock his opponents out cold. When you look at Costa's pro record, 11 of 13 wins by knockout. This dude is an absolute stud. And look, fighters are lucky to get out of the first round against this guy. 11 of 13 wins by knockout, as well as one submission and one decision for Costa. And his two losses on his record feature one knockout at the hands of Israel Adesanya and a decision loss last time out against the Italian stallion Marvin Vittori. Don't know if he calls himself that, but I'll just call him that. Why the fuck not? Then you have Luke Rockhold. As I mentioned, his kryptonite is his chin. All five of his career losses coming by way of knockout, including knockout losses in three of his last four appearances. Five losses on his record by knockout, with his record standing at 16 and 5. But the more impressive stat, 14 of 16 wins by stoppage for Rockhold, with six knockouts, eight submissions, and two decisions. In my opinion, I think that's the best chance he has is to try and submit Paolo Costa because if he tries and trades with Paolo on the feet, I think it's going to be a very unfortunate end. What I do know though is that I cannot wait to sit down and watch this co-main event and I'm really interested. I feel like Paolo Costa is about to present the best version of himself and that is a gamble to say because this bloke... He's so inconsistent. You think you're going to get one thing, and then you don't. And look, he is very funny on Twitter and things like that. But i got to be real. I think this dude is a massive jackass. Let's not forget, he assaulted a nurse earlier this year. Like, not cool. I know some people have found a way to turn that into a meme. That's not a meme. Like, this dude, look, his Twitter is funny. Chad Costa does make me laugh. But he also possesses major fuckhead energy. And look, that's not going to stop me from going on him though. I've been loving what Luke Rockhold has been presenting in the build-up to this fight, and every ounce of my being wants to go Rockhold in this fight, but i got to be real. i got to go with what I genuinely think is going to go down, and I think Paolo Costa, touch wood, is about to present the best version we have ever seen of him. I think he's going to come out fit. I think he's going to come out firing. I hope to God he makes weight. And my prediction for this co-main event, I'll be cheering on Rockhold, but i got to go with Paolo Costa. I'm going with Costa by knockout. All five of Rockhold's career losses coming by that method. 
and I think he's going to cop a sixth knockout loss. Paolo Costa over Luke Rockhold by knockout in our co-main event, which leaves just one fight left. The biggest fight of the night, title fight, and a fight, to be honest, that has been in the works for years now, at least a couple of years. Leon Edwards, he's had to go the long road to get here for his second meeting with Kamaru Usman. This time, though, there are titles at stake as the Nigerian nightmare Kamaru Usman, the pound-for-pound best fighter inside the UFC at the moment and reigning defending welterweight champion, taking on Leon Rocky Edwards, who has spent so many years and many consecutive victories to get to this point. UFC 278, it is time to get amongst our main event. It is now time to get to our final fight. Last, but by no means least, in fact, most, the most, the fight with the most at stake, the fight with the most hype, and the fight that we have been waiting the longest time for. It is our welterweight championship main event as Kamaru Usman chases his sixth consecutive title defense up against longtime contender Leon Rocky Edwards. Kamaru Usman is 15 and 0 inside the UFC, with the second of those 15 fights being a win over the none other than Leon Edwards all the way back in December 2015. Since then, Usman has rattled off another 13 wins, whilst Leon Edwards rides a 10-fight unbeaten run into this one. Kamaru Usman, he has had a fantastic title reign, including two wins over Jorge Masvidal, the second being arguably the best performance of Usman's career, two victories over what many people believe is the best contender in the welterweight division, Colby Covington, and a finish win over Gilbert Durinho Burns as well. Kamaru Usman, he is stamping his claim to be one of the greatest we have ever seen. As for Leon Edwards, he has been on a mighty run himself, albeit he's faced some setbacks along the way. Since losing to Usman, Edwards has had a win over Dominic Waters, Albert Tuminov, Vicente Luque, Brian Barberena, Peter Sobota, Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson, Rafael Dos Anjos. Then, of course, there was the no contest eye poke up against Bilal Muhammad, leading into Leon's most recent encounter, a five round decision victory over none other than Stockton's finest, Nate Diaz. That brings us to this point, the main event that I cannot wait to sit down and watch this weekend, so let's get amongst it, shall we? I'll start with the profile of Leon Rocky Edwards, a 30-year-old from Birmingham, England, training at Team Renegade. Leon is a striker as well as being a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt, and he enters this fight with a very quality UFC record that stands at 11 wins, two losses and one no contest. With those two losses, well, the first was in his UFC debut up against Claudio Silva, and the second loss, of course, Kamaru Usman, 
all the way back in 2015. And since that point, all Leon Edwards has done is put his best foot forward to announce himself as a title challenger. Checking out Kamaru Usman's profile and the Nigerian Nightmare is a 35-year-old who trains or has recently returned to doing some training at Sanford MMA, aka Killcliffe FC. Usman is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt as well as potentially being the best wrestler inside the UFC. Usman's UFC record standing at a perfect 15-0. and 0. In terms of the advantages in this one, striking goes to Leon Edwards, and I also believe that he has the advantage in the speed department. Whilst Kamaru Usman, he has a slight reach advantage. I believe power lies with Usman, and wrestling most definitely is in the favour of the champion. With the title on the line, there is so much at stake, and you'd have to suggest, going by what we've seen from both men, that this fight is going to go the distance, but then, when a title's on the line, all bets are off. Leon Edwards, he may not feel like he should be going the five rounds. He may feel like the only way he's going to have his hand raised is with a decisive stoppage, so I am so keen for this one. I think Leon Edwards, more so than ever, He's going to be chasing that big finish. Speaking of the big finish, well, I am very close to making my final prediction for this UFC 278 card. But first, let's get into the professional records, shall we? Starting with Kamaru Usman's, which stands at 20-1. and one. The one loss coming back in his second pro bout all the way back in 2013. Look, unbelievable. 19 straight wins for Kamaru Usman. 9 of 20 wins by knockout, as well as 10 decision victories. And only one submission, but I don't think he's going to be overly sweating the submission here. I think he's either going to look to outpoint Leon, or he's going to look to knock him out. Which seems to be a route he's taking more often than not as of late. I mean, I just cannot get that Jorge Masvidal knockout out of my mind. And for Leon Edwards, he enters this fight with an overall record that stands at 19 wins, three losses, and of course, one no contest. From his 19 wins, 10 decisions, six knockouts, and three submissions. And the key statistic here is that Leon Edwards has never been finished across 23 pro fights. That is what makes this such a high caliber main event, title on the line, you have the best potential challenger in Leon Edwards, who has done far more than earn his spot in this fight here, up against the champion, one of the greatest we have ever seen. Two decision losses for Leon Edwards, one disqualification. The key stat, Leon Edwards has never been finished across his pro career, whilst Usman He's only ever had one slip-up. He got choked out back in 2013. But other than that, I mean, these two guys could not be in more fine form heading into what should be our fight of the night. Stylistically, look, Leon Edwards, it seems like his best chance at victory is to win on the feet. But after much study and much research, I really do believe Kamaru Usman Whilst he does fancy himself as a bit of a boxer these days, I think he's going to go back 
to what won him the fight the first time around. And that was his wrestling, which I definitely think that is the edge here. And I believe stylistically, if Kamaru can impose himself in the wrestling and can really have that control time in what I expect to be a massively close fight, well, I think that could be the reason we're here and still at the end of this one. In my opinion, I'm honestly happy whatever way this goes. If Leon wins, I would be stoked to see him finally have his moment. And if Kamaru wins, well, that just builds his legacy even further and makes the next title fight a very exciting one. So happy to see this go down either way, but I've got to make a prediction for this main event. And I'm going to go with Kamaru Usman by decision. I think he will try to bring out some big shots. Maybe he will look for the knockout. But Leon Edwards, he is going to be so hungry for the victory here. And these guys are going to have to fight tooth and nail to have their hands raised. I'm going to go Usman for the same reasons I mentioned. I think he's going to get this one on control time. And I think the point of difference ultimately here is going to be the wrestling. Many people think Leon Edwards can take this out. And to be honest, leading up to this, I was really, really considering going Leon. I think there is a massive chance he takes this one out. But I did my study. I did my research. I went through all my Not Just a Sports Report protocols. And in the end, I've decided to go Usman. I think the wrestling is a major edge. And look, Edwards, I don't think he's going to finish Edwards. I think Leon Edwards... He is coming, you know, he's prepared for the worst. I believe Leon Edwards is prepared for the worst here. I think he's going to come out heart on his sleeve to win that title. And Kamaru Usman cannot be any less than his absolute best if he hopes to hold on to his title. UFC 278 main event. I'm going to take Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare, Usman by decision. Maybe even split decision, but... That's my take. I think wrestling will be the point of difference here, taking Usman and still welterweight champion. Kamari Usman by decision. And with that being said, those are my picks. The full preview and predictions for the UFC 278 card right on time. Now, I've got less than an hour before I actually go away. I haven't packed my bags because I've been so bloody busy previewing and predicting and studying tapes. So I should probably pack my phone charger, pair of undies, who knows, I might get so excited during this pay-per-view, I might shit myself. Not that that happens, but who knows, it's going to be a fucking huge card, Salt Lake City, and as I said, I will be away this weekend, so unfortunately, no thoughts and comments podcast, although maybe I'll have a look, I do have uh, recording devices on my phone, so I'm going to see what I can do, it's either going to be some kind of coverage on the Instagram page, or yeah, I might actually just see if I can get some kind of recording on my phone. There will be some form of thoughts and comments, but not the usual full podcast breakdown. So with that being said, that has been the UFC 278 preview and predictions. If you enjoyed the podcast, do not forget to follow us over on Instagram at not just a sports report. And of course, you can follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, you'll be able to see, well, as soon as more UFC content drops. I'm not quite sure yet whether that will be some form of thoughts and comments, but what I do know is that when I get back, 
Oh baby, I've got a whole week off, which means I can fully sink my teeth into UFC Paris, which is our next card. Full preview and predictions for that, and I will most definitely be home for the full thoughts and comments experience. Lots to look forward to. This pay-per-view is about to kick off one hell of a month of fights, with some even bigger potential fights to close out the year. I'm hearing Stipe, John Jones potentially. We know Yuri and Glover Teixeira, that's on as well. So there are plenty of bangers to look forward to. But first and foremost, let's not look past our massive card this weekend in Utah. This has been UFC 278 Preview and Predictions. And until next time, thank you for listening. Take care. And most importantly, enjoy the fights this weekend.